It's Friday, July 23rd. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. Dang it. I like Russ Cantwell. Russ Cantwell. There There we go. Nailed it. No, I'm going to do it again. Nope. Russ Cantwell. Sorry. Too late. Russ Cantwell. Good try. It's it's part of the deal now. It's in the record. You're getting closer every day. I'm proud of you, buddy. I was doing it so perfect last night (laughs) when we were talking about, well, I'll save the news for him to share. Yeah, whenever he yeah, comes you back. can't share that. But I was not like, yours. Russ, Russ Cantwell. Russ Cantwell. Cantwell. Yeah, nailed it. Cantwell. There you go. Yeah, there see? it is. There it is. It's not a, uh. it's not a paper towel. It's a paper towel. <laughs> okay. How are you doing, dude? You I'm doing good, man. Uh, this week has been a an action packed week for me. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm. You want to talk about any of that? Nearing to the end. Nah, not yet. Um, Man, so many secrets on the TBP today. So many secrets. Gotta wait. Russ is out. He's got a big secret. You had a crazy week. You got a big secret. I did. I did. This is a really busy week. Like just back to back to back to back with lots of busyness. And this day right here is really no different, at least until later this afternoon. But uh, yeah, I, I am happy that today is Friday and there is a weekend in front of me. Yeah, but I have a lot of stuff I need to do around the house too, so it won't well, be I am uh, glad. resting on laurels. Yeah, I'm glad we're recording again. Uh, sorry we missed on Wednesday, everyone. Um, I know a few of y'all reached out and said, "Hey, what happened?" <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, Daniel's was probably the funniest one. He's like, <laughs> he said, "If you not, if you don't record and publish a show, I don't exercise. The only way I get myself." <laughs> out there running or on a treadmill. I don't remember which one he was talking about, but basically running is if I have a TBP episode to listen to and I've listened to them all. So where's my next episode? <laughs> so sorry, Daniel. That's awesome. Yeah. All apologies. All right. Wednesday morning was not a good morning for any of us. Yeah. It was an ugly day. Yeah. I was struggling hard. It was a bad day with the with the COVID symptoms, but I feel like I'm starting mm-hmm. to come out of it. And uh, you were not feeling so hot yep. and you had like yep. part of your secret going on. That's <laughs> part of his secret going on. So, so many anyway. secrets. So no many secrets, secrets on this side. No secrets from me. No, here. no secrets. My only secret you're, you're is an open book. It's Ted Lasso Day. That's my secret for today. That it's is Ted Lasso. That's, Day. I just saw that in the chat. I yeah, I knew man. it was coming, but I didn't realize it was now because I, for the first time, watched that show probably a week or two ago. Yeah, uh, which is perfect timing, by the way. It is always better to catch a show right before more of it is released. Slash, it's over. That's my that's my real preference. Like the entire show in all of its recording history is finished, and you're like discovering it. That that's the best. But <laughs> right. I will take you don't have to I will take this one. I waited a week, and now I get more of my delicious Ted Lasso because it, yeah. it is an excellent and funny show. Yeah, for those of us that watched Loki right as it came out, um, they only gave us six episodes. Not enough. And now we have to wait till like January. January of I don't. I'm not even sure if it was next year. I thought they said January 2026 or something. something. No, yeah, 2023. <laughs> it's like a year and a half away for the next season or something. That's you're just terrible. Like, what? I do not Come approve. On. I don't know why no. I do this to myself. I I no. try really to just never, never watch shows yeah. that are just being released. But when it was it was funny because <sighs> my wife is addicted to Ted Lasso as well. So we sat down. Last night, you know, got the kids to bed and we were finally like feeling, you know, feeling like we weren't totally dragging. Like, what do you want to do? So we watched a little bit of the Olympics. The Olympics has started. Uh, we oh, watched cool. rowing. Um, some of the qualifiers there are sculling. I mean, it, it's under the rowing headline, but what they're doing in this particular race that we were watching is sculling. 
um, which is a type of rowing. I'm not trying to get mm, all into the no, semantics there. No, sculling, uh, I'm pretty sure, is where you <laughs> empty beers into your mouth. There's, there's <laughs> already a competition, but there was a movie about that. Old False sculling. Something. Um, <laughs> and so then we switched over and we started watching um, the first episode or first season of Ted Lasso again. Again, like it's just uh, so funny. It is funny. That show is really good. It was be- much better than I expected, especially because I'm not, uh, I'm sure, as our listeners know, um, nearly as interested in anything sports ball related as you yeah. or Russ say, and probably most of the world in general. And uh, so I was cautiously optimistic because I heard so much good stuff about it, but I heard it from people that tend to enjoy sports themed things. And uh, that show was just on point. Like it yeah. is, it is not hyper focused on the sports side of stuff. Obviously, it is based right. around a sports team, so there's plenty of sports reference. But, but that's that just some of the background. I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, but it's good. It's hilarious. It was. It was just. It's a feel good show. It was really good. Really good. Yeah, yeah. I was reading a Twitter thread about it um, yesterday that was tearing apart. Um, kind of somebody was referencing their Hollywood friend that that um, was talking about how the show made you love Ted Lasso so quick right in the beginning of the show. And it was, it was pretty funny and it broke down all the different scenes and the way you see him. And Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. And in general, I would say, I mean, like they even call it out in the show He's he's just ruthlessly optimistic and, uh, and it it humanizes him really fast, but it's also like, he's just always bringing joy. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Well, apparently the first iteration of the show had him being kind of mean, bit of a Mm. jerk. That would not have played as well at all. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And they're supposing, um, so Tim Cook has been like heavily involved in Apple TV and what's going on there. Oh, really? And yeah, and he, I guess he's been quoted a few times as saying, hey, make these shows less mean. Yeah, and, dude, uh, I, I get it. Like yeah. that, that is my favorite part of that show, hands down, is the fact that it is such just a, I mean, it's funny, obviously, yeah. the comedy side of it, but it's also just, it's really um, uplifting. It is not. Right. It is not a beatdown. It is does not contribute to feeling crappy in your day or or just like people being mean to each other. Because there's lots of comedies out there. Um, one that comes to mind or two actually would be like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia or um, what's the the fa- Final Fantasy football show? Uh, you know, they're mm. oh, what's it called? Final, that that show is hilarious. Football? No, sorry, not Final Fantasy. Fantasy football. It's based around <laughs> oh, a fa- sorry, fantasy football team. Sorry, I, I crossed some oh. wires there. Uh, a fantasy football team, and it's it's the the league is the name of the show. Oh, I haven't seen uh, it. it. Oh, so it's hilarious. But both of those shows, very very funny in their own right. Like, totally go watch them. But they're they're based on groups of friends that are just like ruthlessly mean to each other a lot. Like yeah. a lot of the comedy is people doing terrible things to each other, and therefore it's it's laughable, right? Um, and uh, it, it's funny because I really enjoy that, but I don't, I'm not really paying attention to whether or not it's changing my mood, which is probably not real healthy. My wife, like she'll enjoy him for a little bit. And then she, she'll just say like, I'm done watching that. I, I can't stand like the friends just being mean to each other all yeah. the time. And, and I have to like take a step back and I say, oh, oh, oh yeah, they, they were, they were, that was awful. That was really mean. It was funny but it was really mean. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of that in media in general. It's like where people that should be in good functional, healthy relationships just do absolute garbage to each other, but they do it in a really funny way because that's how it's written into the show. And I, we probably lose something very human by enjoying that. Yeah. Yeah. So no, Ted Lasso you. nailed it, man. It's actually feel good. 
Yep. And so we were watching it on um, Apple TV plus or whatever last night. And we're like halfway through episode three and it just stops. It just dies. And I was like, oh man, okay. And we switched back over to the Olympics and we came back like 15 minutes later and it's like, nope, don't want to play. And then we tried to play something else on Apple TV. Nope. Doesn't want to play. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, I'll be talking about this tomorrow on the show because I'm sure some sort of outage happened. <laughs> and then sure enough, internet sure enough. shuts down travel, banking sites, and many others, plus online services, including PlayStation Network, uh, UPS, FedEx, airline, uh, airlines like Delta, Southwest, Charles Schwab, US Bank, Fidelity, HBO Max, Costco, EA, um, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, everybody, all these, um, all these uh, other websites were down. I guess for maybe an hour or two, something like that last night. I never actually saw anything that mentioned Apple TV, but somehow it had to be had to be linked because what was down uh, was, and I, actually, I never know if I'm saying this one right, but Akamai, is that right? A-K-A-M-A-I. That's how I pronounce it in my head when I read it. Yeah, I've never heard anyone say it. I just read it. Um, but anyway, it's a content delivery network um, and they had like an edge DNS issue, of course, right? And so um, addresses aren't able to resolve and no one's able to get their websites or their content um, delivered to their streaming TV. So yeah, that's um, ugly. They, I, they I didn't actually notice the outage. I saw a lot about it. I saw it uh, talked about quite a bit, but yeah. um, I didn't, I did not experience anything disruptive myself, probably just a function of what I was doing that day kind of thing. Yeah. I was following their Twitter, checking it out this morning a little bit. They're, they're still uh, investigating, trying to figure out what's going on. I'm sure, you know, once again, it'll get blamed on, you know, some intern, you know, changing a line of code or somebody tripping over a power cord or something like that. But, <laughs> you know, what are these things really? Well, um, you, know, you you joke about changing a line of code in the intern. There was another article and I don't think I'll dwell on it because it wasn't terribly interesting. I didn't even put it in the show notes, but I saw something. Um, there was an update to Chrome OS where a single character mistype led to uh, people being locked out of Chromebooks after reboot. Oh, I so did see that. It, it was literally a single character fat finger that caused lockouts on a on a platform. Like so that's was that's, it a Chrome crazy update? I, I didn't. I it just was. Saw yeah, the I think headline. it. I think it was an update to Chrome OS. Uh, I didn't. Okay. I didn't read it in great detail. I was. It's just funny. You were just mentioning. You know, a line yeah. of code from an intern takes down the internet. It's. Uh, it, it's very real. <laughs> yeah. If somebody pushes pushes the prod. Uh, it can it can wreak havoc for sure. Yeah. And uh, some in somewhat related, you know, because sometimes my, my brain kind of wonders if some of these things go down, you know, usually I haven't yet seen something go down with Internet services go down with any sort of ransomware. Maybe has there been a few of those? Mostly it's major like, Internet outages because of it. Yeah, I don't think it is. I think it's. I don't think like, so, or at least not that have been published. Like yeah, like the the, yeah. the outages, at least the the ones we've seen lately, I feel like have been other issues. Um, and they, you know, they come back and they're like, "That'll never happen again." Yeah, and, and I'm trying to find. Else happens. So there was a story that that had me think. Oh, uh, Kaseya. Um, and I don't I don't know if I'm pronouncing that one right either. But A A S E Y A. I've never heard anyone say that one, but. Uh, they say they've obtained a universal decryptor for the Revol ransomware and is helping customers recover their data. That's good. I wonder if it's any good uh, as a decryptor. Um, yeah. That's that's something I've I've run into, you know, just because of the industry that we work in, you know, customers get hit with this stuff and it, it's happening a lot and it's it sucks everywhere right. it happens. But um, even the ones that, you know, pay for 
the keys, the, the decryptors that they get are garbage. And yeah. so there's lots of corruption and it's slow and it's like, oh gosh, this is almost as bad as just not having access to it in the first place. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if what they got their hands on is, is any good at what it's supposed to do, or if having the keys lets them use more advanced, more capable tools and, and they can actually decrypt quickly and, and with less damage. I don't know. Oh, okay. So I guess it looks like as I read this more, it doesn't look like they actually have the decryptor. Um, well, I guess they have the key, but they don't have the actual encryptor. Uh, oh, okay. They didn't like. Okay, so it's not it's know, not the decryption kind of that, that they're giving. It's it's literally just the like a yeah. key generator. Well, then in that case, yeah. Apparently, what they lines. what they realized was, um, uh, oh gosh, I accidentally just clicked the thing. Some re- researchers are propagating. Um, that since a large number of victims hit during the Revil Kaseya attack were hit with the same public key, only one victim paying the ransom will be enough to decrypt all victims. Let's talk about that. Oh, and they were trying to figure out if Kaseya had paid for, um, because they realized that, and then mm. suddenly Kaseya had the key. So they didn't they, they didn't know if Kaseya had paid for the key or if somebody else sure. may have paid the ransom for the key and gave it to Kaseya. Throw a honeypot out there and then to, pay a small ransom everyone. for the one machine. You got my yeah. desktop. Here's 15 bucks. Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, hey, here's something that's horrifying and but makes a, a good segue. Um, researchers confirmed that they could replace neural network neuron nodes. So in an in an AI's neural network, like what the the neuron portion, which I had I wish I had a diagram in front of me because I probably described yeah. it a little bit better, but um they can replace them with malicious code. So so malicious systems, basically malware, um, up to like 40% of the nodes in a neural network, in a particular neural network, which I lost my link here, so I don't know which one I'm looking at. But, um, oh, here we go. Uh, basically, they replaced tons of the neural network's neurons, quote unquote, uh, with malicious code. And, um, and it did not appreciably change the accuracy of the model. So huh. the AI continued to do what it was supposed to do well with a 93.1% efficiency, according to the article. Even with 40% and of them knowingly trying to basically tear down do the bad system. things. Yes. Do bad so things. Yeah, so the model, it's it. called AlexNet was the model, and it was it's uh-huh. 178 megs, right? And they replaced yeah. uh, almost 40 megs of it with malicious code. It still did what it was supposed to do, and it just ruthlessly deployed malware. And any any system that it was run on, and so the the article basically the summary, which is horrifying, is that this will be like the new de facto way of deploying malware is to embed it into artificial intelligence and applications that are built on top of those neural networks and and run with it. Are you um, saying that because then it's undetectable because then the neural network still operates? But I, yeah, it's basically still you won't you won't notice that it's doing it because it'll operate just completely normal. And and so you'll find avenues oh, into man. popular and widely used AI assist or AI stuff, and those AIs will unwittingly be you know propagating malware. So the, no the quote at the end it, it just says. Yeah. yeah, because it looks normal and it's doing what it's supposed to do, right? So I, I'm sure we're going to scan them. We're going to do all kinds of neural network vulnerabilities. Is this the script of Terminator like that, 3? I'm trying to remember. I know, right? It's horrifying. <laughs> it's, uh, the quote at the end just says, with the popularity of AI, AI-assisted attacks will emerge and bring new challenges for computer security. Network attacks and defenses are uh, interdependent, the paper notes. 
we hope the proposed scenario will contribute to future protection efforts. So basically, like, watch yourself. Your AI may look like it's doing everything it's supposed to be doing and be totally normal, but it might not be. Um, it'll be interesting. But yeah, pretty yeah, sure that's hidden the layers of AI behind rise of machines. stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. That's pretty crazy. Huh. Okay. Yeah, there's um, there's some pushback in the in the article too. You know what? Um, I don't know who was being quoted, but it says while this is legitimate and it's good research, uh, that this individual didn't think that hiding whole malware in in the you know distributed network or the DNN models offers much to an attacker. It's still a curious vector with as broadly um, as we're utilizing AI or AI assisted uh, you know avenues for all kinds of stuff at this point, right? So, yeah. But that was okay. pretty neat. Pretty interesting. Do you want to play? We didn't do uh, today's yesterday in tech history. Ooh, do you want do to play it. guess that decade or guess that year? Let's do it. Let's on a few dates. <clears throat> okay. We'll move through these pretty quickly. But uh, all right. This one is today. This one's July 23rd. Ho, ho, ho. The Commodore Amiga <gasps> was introduced. Commodore introduces its Amiga personal computer, also known as the Amiga 1000 or the A1000, featuring a multitasking windowed operating system, color graphics, oh. and stereo sound, among other features oh, ahead of its whoa, time. Whoa, whoa, Okay, so this is like the not just a blue screen that tells you it didn't understand your input, so you think it's Correct, yeah, this Commodore. actually has a GUI. All right. So yeah. Commodore GUI, I'm, gonna, I'm sticking with the 80s, best decade ever, as Russ would remind us, but I, I think later than I was originally going to guess. So I'm going to go with like 86, 87. 85, good job. Ah, buddy. close. That is awesome. That is awesome. In 1994, Byte Magazine would write, the Amiga was so far ahead of its time that almost nobody, including Commodore's marketing department, could fully articulate what it was all about. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Today, it's obvious the Amiga was the first multimedia computer. But in those days, it was... impressive. Yeah, it was derided Stereo as Stereo sound? A, I mean, come on. Yeah. In those days, it was derided as a game machine because few people grasped the importance of advanced graphics, sound, and video. Yeah, for, for just basic wild? Windows stuff. Yeah, no, that's incredible. That's crazy. And no, I had no idea. So I we had a, I feel like we had a Commodore 64. I'm almost certain we did yeah. um, when, I was, when I was young. It would have been when I was in Texas by then. So four or five years old. Um, but it it's functionality was super limited unless i'm i could be totally wrong because i don't remember the model i was, was too young and not interested enough but um i don't feel like it had all of those features I, I feel like i was blown away when i just tried to type in a command and it didn't understand it and said that's not valid and it's like the machine is responding it knows <laughs> <laughs> who'd be my friend <laughs> you'd be my friend um, okay so also today also July 23rd, guess the year, the first Ford Model A was sold to a gentleman named Ernst Fenning of Chicago, Illinois. What year? I always want to say 1920. Wait, Model A. Model A. I'm going, I'm going to 20s. I, I can't. I don't know why my brain always goes to the 1920s when I think of early Ford. Yeah, 1903. Ah, man, I knew it. I, I was I was so tempted to go back at least one decade, but I just I can't for whatever reason I cannot place early Fords in like the timeline, but way off. Oh well. No worries, no worries. Um, let me see here. There was something cool that I thought. What was the 1903 Nobel Prize in physics? Some some reason that popped up in my head. Um, one half awarded to Antoine Henry Baccarel in recognition of the extraordinary services he has rendered by his discovery of spontaneous radioactivity. 
the other half jointly to Pierre Curie and Marie Curie in recognition of the extraordinary survey. Yeah, whatever. Sorry. I didn't mean to go down that route. I can't remember. Spontaneous radioactivity. Yeah, there was something funny about that one. I'm I'm grasping to remember. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't remember learning about it. So I'm kind of curious what it is. The the only thing I think about when I think of spontaneous. In recognition of the extraordinary services they have rendered by their joint researches on the radiation phenomena discovered by. Okay. Yeah. There's something interesting with the radiation thing there. Never mind. What's that? Anytime I hear something spontaneous like that, I think um, uh, black holes and and like some of the black hole radiation and stuff like that, where it's just, it, it, it's dense enough and crazy enough that particles will pop into existence and then pop out of existence. And in, when that happens, particles often will fire off a little radiation as they convert from one high energy particle to another. And, uh, that I, every time I think spontaneous radiation, that would be where it goes. I, I don't think that has anything to do with that Nobel prize though, because I'm pretty sure, um, that was a lot later and, uh, I'm, failing to remember the guy's name but our super black hole super physicist dude hmm. whose name i'm just not remembering all right um this one you got to get okay you got to get this year uh, i will be disappointed if you don't so maybe just start googling it and bear yourself like i'm not uh the eagle has landed this was three days ago july 20th what year uh eagle the apollo 11 lunar module successfully lands in the area of the moon known as the sea of tranquility Upon landing, Neil Armstrong utters the now famous phrase, the eagle has landed. About six hours later, while setting foot on the moon, because they landed, and then six hours later, he finally goes down the uh, ladder of the lunar module. He utters the even more famous phrase, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And I'll have you know, too, that that was actually a flub. He should have said, he was supposed to say, rather, that's one small step for a man. One giant leap for mankind, because in the sentence, how he said it, man and mankind can be defined as basically the same thing. So it doesn't really make sense if you don't say that's one small step for a man. And he was asked about it when he came back to Earth. And uh, he said, no, I said it. There must have been some you know, radio frequency challenge or whatever. And then I went back <laughs> and listened to it. And no, there wasn't. There was no break in what he said. It was very clearly um, misspoken, but unacceptable. Yeah, what placing year? placing your foot on the moon for the first time ever as a human and messing up <laughs> your lines like fire that guy. Um, I I am probably gonna get this wrong. I want to say like sixty six or sixty nine. Sixty nine, you got it. Yes, sixty nine. All right, boom. you're so smart. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, I should know that right off the top of my head. Clearly don't. I just um, remember. All right, moving you... on. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. You remember what? Uh, there was just uh, there was. I don't know. There was some game I played as a little, little kid and it was one of the questions in it. And, and it always stuck in my head the way that's that it, cool. The way that it happened. I have a terrible memory for dates. So I have to like rebuild human history in my brain to try to figure out when things happened. So apparently that's why I can't do Ford. <laughs> I just switched over to the Twitch chat and people are just guessing a ton of years. <laughs> um, um, so awesome. I saw cool. a really cool article uh this morning it really doesn't get into it too much but it's it's fascinating if this is actually going to turn out uh to be something scalable but apparently um china is planning to build the first waterless nuclear reactor and um of course the title caught my caught my eye right because we use water to uh cool um nuclear reactors if you don't have water then the reactor blows up because it gets too hot 
and we tend to even use heavy water uh, because yeah. it's it's thermal um, transfer properties are better as well. And you can do uh, that. Wait, so, that, so, cool so heavy water, like salt water kind of a deal? No, like water uh, with things in it? No, 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 no. It's like H2O2. I've, extra, it's been too long. Extra H's or extra O's? Yeah, it's something like extra that. H's. And it's literally, it's a denser molecule. Um, and so the, hmm. the denser molecule makes it more useful for, it's, uh, it's, it's deuterium. And I'm sure I, butchered how you change that it uh it's an isotope uh which includes neutron and proton uh nucleus the anyways i just know it's i That's i fine. don't remember Go ahead enough with your about news. it i'm sorry it is it's it's uh oh it's d2o okay so it's d2o it's an isotope of hydrogen that makes deuterium uh, oxide yeah As so it's instead of h2o it's monitor. like a it's a it's a it's an isotope of hydrogen i guess or, or is it an isotope just because it's with the water anyways it is it is water it is liquid like you'd expect water but the heavier hydrogen isotope is what makes heavy water heavy water as opposed to just ah uh, um, it is anyways it is commonly used next time i go to the restaurant <laughs> right it is like it is commonly still okay, yeah fizzy still i'm sorry i want to say it's toxic if you drink it i don't like know i could be wrong about that um, anyways, I know that that's used in, uh, or at least was, um, uh, commonly used in, um, the, the thermal exchange side of nuclear reactors. And, uh, this is cool. They're using molten salt, uh, to, to transfer the heat. So I, I imagine molten salt, uh, so, so they're expected to be safer. What, what's curious there is that when I think of something like salt, especially like a molten salt, which it's, it's interesting because I've heard of this before. Molten salt is, is, a I believe they're taking advantage of a phase change or at least yeah. i would expect it to be but i'm not positive um because it doesn't really talk about it explicitly in the article but it takes obviously a ton of energy to, to melt salt and if they're if they're cooling it to the point where it actually goes solid or, or maybe semi-solid maybe it has a, a different phase in, in a certain pressure range but um yeah they're they're going to use a, a closed systems with molten salt that confuses uh, and then me it's, because it's powered by liquid thorium instead of uranium too that's even more curious so liquid thorium is the fuel so i what? i don't they don't have enough they don't have You're enough about mind, this here. Man. they're expected to be safer than traditional uranium reactors uh thorium cools and solidifies quickly in open air okay so there you go it is it's phase change so you're saying that it okay because where my brain stopped with this is that they're cooling the system with a molten thing Right. Well, molten salt actually, is molten because it's so hot that it's melted, and they're going to use that with raised temperature to cool. Is is it just because it's that much? It doesn't make sense in my head. How are they cooling it with with something that's molten? Well, well, and that's where the phase change comes into play, right? So it cools it because it still takes a tremendous amount of energy to liquefy the salt. So if you're moving, uh, if you're moving the salt, I, I assume I don't I don't understand exactly how you take a solid salt and put it into the heat exchange side. Uh, easily mm. i imagine that's probably one of the big hurdles but if that's how it works if i'm if i'm understanding this correctly, okay. which i may very well not be it would be solid salt or semi-solid salt i don't know goes into the hot to cool side part of the reaction as the generator produces electricity the salt melts that phase change absorbs a ton of that temp and then they vent that heat somewhere else in a different part of the heat exchanger. It goes back to a solid. Again, massive amount of energy required to switch that phase. And then it gets pushed back in um, to, okay. to melt, right? So, uh, But then the other thing that was curious uh, or that I thought was interesting is that it's 
They're saying it's using uh, liquid thorium instead of uranium. So the thorium must be, you know, the, the radioactive substance. And they're saying that it is expected to be much safer because thorium solidifies in open air, which means that if there huh. is a reactor leak, it, it will solidify and making making it less radioactive. I, I assume it's not zero, but uh, apparently less radioactive if it's solid, um, which is really neat. So it wouldn't like vaporize and then be covering a five square mile radius, something like that? It, I may have understood this backwards too. The liquid salt may actually be the radioactive component. Yeah, because I'm looking at the article. It does say due due to its high melting point, the molten salt will quickly cool and solidify without the the cooling. Okay. Release of salt. It's just it's interesting because it's saying the concept of a nuclear reactor powered by liquid salt instead of uranium was first devised in the 1940s. That that seems to be juxtaposed wrong, right? Like if uranium is the fuel in a traditional uh, nuclear reactor, and they're going to use thorium instead. Yeah, well, they're saying liquid thorium would be. This article doesn't have enough detail, unfortunately, but I remember seeing. Uh, liquid salt cooled stuff back when I was studying mechanical engineering huh. on the nuclear side of stuff. And apparently it is getting very real, which is really cool. I'm going to have to go look this up. We'll have to bring this it up is interesting. Well, I just found a different article, maybe not the one you're looking at anyway. Um, China has some of the world's largest reserves of thorium, which is a silvery huh. metal with weak radioactivity. By some calculations, it has enough to meet the country's energy needs for at least 20,000 years. Wow. So if this works, it will work for a long while. Well, um, and, and the other thing that's really cool, I, I can't remember if I actually said it when I pointed it out, but the because it's waterless, um, and I also assume it's a closed system, which I'm almost certain if it's phase change that's doing the cooling, it, it can be, should be, but um, you can deploy it anywhere. So middle of yeah. a hot desert, no problem. Drop drop a, a waterless uh, reactor in place. And I, I mean, that's got a, a tremendous amount of upside, which is great. And it's funny. It says it's only three about, meters tall and two and a half meters wide. Yeah, they wide. sound small, which is impressive. Equipment. That's uh, generate up to 100, 100 megawatts in that footprint, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, and by um, contrast, too, to the thorium, though, real quick, China has some of the lowest uranium reserves mm. of any nuclear capable country. Interesting. By I didn't comparison. know that. Yeah. This is so, this is something I think a lot of people lose track of when they think about nuclear energy. Um, the, the density of available power in radioactive sources far, 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 far exceeds any other non-renewable resource, right? Yeah. So you talk about some of the issues with renewable resources. Wait, how many fars? Solar. It's a lot. A lot. Right? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, a perfect example is what you were just talking about. So thorium, which we don't even use in nuclear reactors right now. Apparently, yeah. China has enough of it for 2,000 years of their power no, demand. No, 20,000. Sorry, 20,000 20, years. years. So, so that's the most that's populated... A, a poorly radioactive substance and yes. china has enough for twenty thousand years of their electricity demand which i'm sure includes the curve of that going up right correct not just yes. at current demand levels um it thorium isn't even the densest energy producing radioactive element that we've got access to as humans so it produces energy all the time you can increase or decrease by usually by shielding, right? In a, in a traditional reactor, you, you've got what, I think it's barium or borium. I forget what they make the, the cylinders out of, but you can basically, you push down a super dense uh, material over the cores and they stop you know, causing the chain reactions or they reduce the number of chain reactions that are happening. So 
like a, a coal reactor, right? You're just shoveling less coal or, or you pump in less, you know, liquid fuel, right? Um, yeah. in, in a nuclear reactor, you shield to slow down the reactions and slow down the amount of energy you're producing. But 24 seven is, is, is how you can produce using nuclear fuel sources. And they are incredibly abundant. And if we ever figure out fusion, then hydrogen becomes the most dominant nuclear fuel source, which is for all intents and purposes, infinite in our world <laughs> and our solar system. So uh, I, I want to see more of this. I'm, I'm a big fan of nuclear power general, and I love that we can augment it with renewables, but um, having, having the ability to outproduce demand 24-7 with these kinds of technologies is, is still going to be critical. And it's so much cleaner than burning fossil fuels. It has such a tremendous uh, smaller downside that uh, it's it's really cool to see this stuff um, coming coming to be. Yeah, man. Um, and I'm pumped. If you just Google uh, thorium, it will take you down quite a, <laughs> uh, quite a rabbit hole, rabbit trail, whatever. So have fun with that today, but don't forget it's Ted Lasso Day. So, mm-hmm. all right, I got ten minutes left, and I got a call. I got to jump on. What else we got? Good stuff. Um, that is well, awesome, ARM though. announced that it is it releasing flexible 32-bit pro- processors, or natively flexible processors, like literally what? on like bendy substrates. What? Um, so, so they're going to be even more able to be embedded in doodads. So uh, they're using a seven nanometer process. So what? Uh, this still, is blowing my tiny. mind right now. How? But they. I, I don't I don't know. I didn't even get to read the whole abstract. I still need here, to see but... like a bendy TV, like a rollable TV. <laughs> They're we're there, doing, right? We're doing bendy processors now. Bendy procs now. Uh let's what? see. Blah, blah, blah. It looks like it's it's so it's developed with a metal oxide thin film transistor technology on a flexible substrate, which they call what? plastic arm. Pretty cool. Okay. Cool. Uh, and all all right. the, the thing I got from it, because I didn't read this in great detail. Wow, that is a very long abstract. That might be more than an abstract. Does this mean I can like um, embed processors on my skin now or something? Hopefully. And they yeah, can why move not? Around? Sure. I'll say yes. I'm an authority now. What's, what's um, the benefit of that, though? I have no idea. I just charge your phone with your fingers. Um, plastic arm pioneers the embedding of billions of low-cost, ultra-thin microprocessors into everyday objects. Yo, yo shirt's going to have an arm in them. I guess it's going to have more than, more than two arms in them. Not that not people that have fewer <laughs> than two jokes. arms. Arm jokes. <laughs> joke. Two arms. Oh, my goodness. I had to go there. We're Anyways, thin okay. film transistors yeah. sound pretty cool. Um, flexible substrates. I, I kind of can wrap my head around all of that. But uh, yeah. yeah, a 32-bit arm processor designed to be put in anything, um, making everyday objects smarter, such as bottles, like water bottles and stuff like that. Garments. Yep. And uh, and I guess they're projecting projecting that it is going to be able to uh, be able to be mass produced cheaply because they talk about that a lot. I wonder uh, how much you know, like e waste this is going to create. Yeah, is I get the impression when you get a cheap flexible proc, you put it in everything, and it just ends up piled up with all yeah. the other things. There, there was reminds me of an article I was reading yesterday about um, what California is doing, where they are pushing very hard for this EV stuff. And now they're starting to see some, um, some fallout of, of, um, 
the production of electric vehicles elsewhere in the world it. and um, problems mining the resources they need to create batteries and Dude, all yeah, that kind of I, stuff. I'm it's super excited about EV, especially yeah. because of, you know what we were just talking out. about. You talk about uh, electric production, um, the production side of EV. Like we 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 have the resources necessary to to feed an electrically powered world, and yeah. uh, you know I think there are lots of good arguments for it, even if it's just quieter lawnmowing. I'm okay with that, but we've got stuff we need to figure out with batteries, and we need to do it real fast. Um, obviously, everybody wants the cost to go down, the densities to go up, but they're not very clean. Um, and they use a lot of uh, rare resources, or at least they have for a long time. I mean, that's one of Tesla's big pushes is to get uh, what is this, cobalt out of their batteries, right? Yeah. Um, we we have to find ways to store energy that are cleaner and recyclable, uh, or at least reusable in some way, right? Right now, I mean, think think about all your double, triple A D cell batteries that tell you you shouldn't throw them away, and tell me how many times you've taken those piles to mm. a proper recycling plant. Yeah, never. Sorry. Yeah, and and that's the rest of the world too, unfortunately. Exactly. It, we we just toss this stuff and it's terrible for the ground, it's terrible for groundwater. It's there I mean, alkaline batteries, think about the trillions of tons of alkaline batteries we probably just tossed into landfills around the world. Correct. Um that's not pretty, especially if it becomes, you know, I know they're not alkaline batteries, but think a Tesla's worth of battery cells just being trashed because that's absolutely happening right now. I think that's what they're talking about. I think they've got they've got piles and piles of batteries that are um, not not cool, man. From wrecked Teslas or you know dead. Or whatever. Sure. Anyway, uh, running out of time here. What else we got to talk about? Um, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that there was a big um, B word event on Wednesday. The biggest thing that came out of that, mm, there wasn't a whole lot of new things. The thing that most people, I don't want to say freaked out over, but um, really grasped or, or jumped onto was the fact that Musk confirmed that SpaceX also holds Bitcoin, um, as well as he confirmed that Tesla has not sold any and they don't plan to. He also confirmed he personally owns Bitcoin. Anymore? He also I owns was pretty sure there was an announcement it. from Elon that said they did sell like a hundred million worth or something like that. They bought a billion, they sold a hundred million. I thought that pretty early, didn't it? Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know it if must, that it was. It must have been not more because I yeah. I could have sworn that they actually stated that they sold some. I don't recall that, but anyway, he did confirm that they still own their, you know, billion or whatever. SpaceX holds cool. some, and then he personally owns Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Doge. Um, which all yeah, wish, credibility I, lost. Both creators I, of Doge Knife, by the way, are are straight up saying this is a scam and it's a joke and it should not be yes. seriously taken. Like it, they, every, yeah. I don't, I do not understand why he's playing that game. I think I he's don't just get it a either. Billionaire man. eccentric goofball. He well, he thinks it's funny. He thinks yeah. it's funny. He, and it, I mean, can. at the point in his life, it's Ridiculous. like, wouldn't it be hilarious if Doge became an official currency, right? That's just the point where he's at in, in life, right? He's doing so much uh, that it's just like, I want some entertainment. Um, oh, but anyway, special. That's yeah, special. there's something else I was going to say about that, but I forget. Oh, man. I I got nothing. I, the yeah. Doge, like, I man, I'm, I think crypto's got... A strong future ahead of it. I think very interesting things are going to happen. I withhold uh, judgment on whether or not it's going to be widely adopted as uh, a global currency. Or oh, that's even what partially adopted as a global currency. But I don't think Doge fits in there at all. No. And I think Elon's being a goofball with all of this. Um, yes. But he's certainly making it an interesting ride. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so he said that uh, Tesla, he says he feels like there's progress in um, his concerns around Bitcoin wasting energy, quote unquote. And he mm. said, likely Tesla, Tesla will start exchanging Teslas for Bitcoin. Um, and Again, Jack, they did that right at the beginning and then they stopped it, right? Yeah, well, there's a huge backlash on Twitter. A bunch of people were like, don't you know yeah. that, you know, I yeah, remember it. don't you know that uh, <laughs> for whatever, we don't have to get into it, but yeah. um, they were talking about the, the amount of energy that it takes. It seems to counter to what yeah. he originally started uh, Tesla for. We talked about that, right? Exactly. I mean, one of, one exactly. of the tenants is that ice engines are bad. EVs right. are good. <laughs> we are good. And then you go and except a, arguably a, a, a dirty yeah dirty currency and then you, to, to do it and then you had Jack Dorsey hinting at some sort of interaction between bitcoin and twitter um, not that twitter would buy bitcoin but there would be some sort of commerce capability of bitcoin on twitter or something like that so he didn't really talk about it he talked and more about want- um, blue sky and the initiative there with the decentralized ah, cool. social media platform he said i'm putting all my weight behind that and all my way That's behind cool. this hardware wallet um, under uh, under Cash Cash App. Is that right? Oh yeah, no. cool. Um, is it Cash App? Where? No, Square. Sorry. Square. Oh Square, yeah, Square. Not Square. Ca- says, not sure. Cash App. Sorry. Square. Yep. Got it. Um, so. Yeah. No, that that makes sense. That's neat. Um, obviously, Blue Sky stuff. That's that's going to be absolutely fascinating. I think it's super important. We talked about that in great detail. Um, I wonder if Twitter is going to implement stuff like Reddit has had for a long time the ability for people to sort of deploy bots and stuff like that. And cryptocurrency um, lends itself very easily to doing rapid transactions between people. And so on on Twitter and most of the crypto subs, uh, I won't say all because I I don't even think I subscribe to all of them. But in most of them, they they have stuff like uh, tip bots for Nano and Ada and Cardano or Ada is Cardano. Uh, But um, you, you you can send small amounts of crypto i suppose you could do large amounts too but you can you can easily transfer between members of the community uh cryptocurrency through the platform um which is interesting i wonder if twitter's going to do something like that or if it's less i don't know social i don't, I don't even know yeah I'm, there's a thousand yeah. things they could do i'm just wondering if it's going to end up looking like that yeah, and they're cracking into it. I mean, you go look at uh, go look at Square's careers page, and there's like three or four project manager things specifically around crypto. Um, cool. They're trying to look to hire. I don't know why you do that with Bitcoin. I, I hate to rag on Bitcoin because I still think it is it is the pioneer. Not I think it it yeah. made all of this happen to some extent, right? But you don't know why you uh, do what with Bitcoin. Like small small transactions with Bitcoin oh, is yeah, not yeah. really pretty, right? Like the yeah. the more it gets adopted, the more expensive those transactions are. If you want to send somebody twenty five cents as a high five, you're going to spend eighteen dollars to to transact it. That's absurd, right? Correct. So, Bitcoin, especially as it's being used heavily, makes very little sense for small transactions. Yeah, there are it's mostly much, around buying a car much, or buying a house. Sure, something right. something where. A, you think think like wire fees right now when we yeah. make big money between banks it's slow and it costs thirty five bucks or whatever right. your bank or paying your credit card debt if you did whatever. it with yeah. with Bitcoin it would cost eighteen dollars to move two dollars it cost eighteen dollars to move thirty five hundred dollars or thirty five thousand dollars right and it would be much much faster instantaneous compared to a, a bank wire and it would cost less plus there's no intermediate like th- there's definitely yeah. advantages to Bitcoin over something like a wire. Um, but there are there are other much less expensive, faster, just sort of cleaner, small level. Like, I, I Bitcoin hey, I would never go. replace something like Venmo as an example, right? So yeah, 
I agree. Um, or at least Sorry, I got to go. It. There's a lot more we got to yep. talk about. Cool. I got to jump yeah, to absolutely. a call. But that's it. That brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Thanks for listening, everybody. We had a great time. I hope you did too. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for sharing it with your friends. We'll talk to you Monday. Maybe you'll get to hear about our big surprises. We don't know. We just don't know. Booyah, Grandma. Can't wait. Yes. Oh, yes. See ya. Bye.